toward the end of uh, that reading where it, this doesn't have anything to do with the sermon, so you don't have to listen that closely. Toward the end of that reading where it talks about the benefits and the blessings that will come to the people, um, it says, and a multitude of young camels shall cover, cover you. Have you ever pictured that, what that would be like being covered by a multitude, how that would smell and, and just, just wanting. Okay, so this is Epiphany. January 6th is Epiphany. Epiphany means appearance or manifestation. It's the manifestation of God in Christ to the world. Uh, almost every religion has frequent Epiphany stories where the deity uh, manifests itself to the world. Manifestations of God, um, you could argue uh, the burning bush. The light of the burning bush appears to, to Moses and God speaks out of the bush. Uh, the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, God manifests God's self uh, to, to, um, to, to Israel. We have epiphanies throughout our lives. Epiphanies usually happen in the darkness and the light shines. Uh, we're in the dark and a light bulb goes off. You know, often we've been in a meeting or something and somebody has an epiphany. They see what we're supposed to be doing. The light has gone off and they see what direction the committee or the church or the school or the government should take. Somebody has this epiphany. Epiphany uh, is kind of it, it, both the endless Ephesians reading and the uh, uh, Isaiah reading have to do with epiphanies. And the significant thing about epiphanies as it relates to God is we see what God's intention is. That's the important thing. What is God's intention for the world and the people? What is God manifesting? You know, and for Paul, when he describes the epiphany in Christ, he's talking about we're learning God's intention for, for the world, that the Gentiles had been in darkness. They were kind of out of the loop of, um, of God's love and out of the loop of God's forgiveness and mercy. And in Christ, we learn that God's intention is to tear down the wall that separates Jews from Gentiles. And in other places, Paul expands this tearing down of the wall, um, the wall between male and female, slave and free, the, the, the walls that, that separate us and keep people in the dark and that in Christ, according to Paul, the light has shined on, on all the people, and we can see that, and we're all now um, recipients of God's mercy and God's love and God's grace. So this epiphany that Paul has of, of God's love in Christ is a big deal, and he spreads, wants this, everybody to, to experience what he has experienced, the riches of Christ. And in Isaiah, it's also about an epiphany, and I want to follow uh, the Isaiah reading as something of an outline for epiphany. 
It starts with the people are in darkness, and darkness covers the earth. Well, for Israel, Isaiah was written, this part of Isaiah was written uh, after they've come back from Babylon and they're trying to rebuild the homeland, trying to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple, and they're facing opposition. They don't have much money. They don't have many resources, and it's a dark time, and they're discouraged, and they're hopeless, and they're facing opposition from the residents of the land. It's darkness. Epiphanies happen in darkness. And it can be a darkness nationally. It could be an economic depression. It could be a war. It could be, you know, unemployment. The darkness could be in, a, in, in, in schools. It could be in city government. The darkness can be in life. Um, you know, many people talk about the depression they experience post-holidays and the blue times they have post-holiday. Um, darkness manifests itself in many ways, but we feel like we're in the dark. Then Isaiah goes on to say, your light has come. There may be darkness in our personal lives. There may be darkness in our country. We may feel hopeless, but the light has shined and there's light in the darkness. Just a little bit of light that's the light at the end of the tunnel, the light that kind of gets us through. And we know there's a glimmer of light. There's hope. Uh, I, I, at night, frequently, when I have to go down into our basement, I don't turn on the light just because I'm cheap. I don't turn on the light I don't want to spend that penny or two that that, that, would, that electricity would take. And as I go into the dark basement, you know, it's dark. And I stumble and I fall and I trip. And I think, why didn't I turn on the light? You know? The further I go into the basement, the darker it gets. But when I finally get what I want and turn around and start to come back to go upstairs the light from the kitchen starts to light the way and I can see. And I'm really appreciative of that light in the darkness. You know, and, and Isaiah says, your light has come. You're not going to be in the darkness forever. There's hope. And then he says, lift up your eyes and see. And he describes a scene as if the temple's built, as if the city has been rebuilt, as if the nation is back on its feet, and people are coming from all over the world to the nation. Look at, see, people are coming to you. People are carrying their children to you. The riches of the world are coming to you. Now, none of that is actually happening, but he's just saying, it's going to happen. Your future is going to be bright. Can you see it? And when people have epiphanies, they see what others don't see. And it's a blessing. Years ago, I went on a, to a, a seminar on New Church Starts, and we, we went, uh, it was up in... in, in um, South Bend, Indiana, and we went to 
this warehouse. It was just an empty warehouse. And we went into this warehouse, and the minister of the church took us through the warehouse and described what his church would be like. And he, he would say, and we were just in an empty room, and he would say, now here is the youth room, and here are the ping pong tables, and the billiard tables, and the video games, and the basketball court. And I thought, there's nothing here. But he could see it. He could see it because the light had shined on him, and he could see what we couldn't see. And, and here's the nursery, and here's the wall that separates the nursery from the preschool. And it's a wall of water that has fish in it. There's nothing here. But he could see it, what we couldn't see. And then the, the next thing that Isaiah talks about that's part of epiphany is arise and shine. Okay, you see what it should be. You see what your future should be. Now, get to work on it. Roll up your sleeves and get to work rebuilding the temple, rebuilding the city. Get to work on what you see. Now, when I think about um, epiphany, I'm not sure that there's any American that understands epiphany better than Martin Luther King Jr. He certainly understood the darkness and the light and the vision and the rolling up of the sleeves, you know. Darkness, Jim Crow, separate but equal, segregation, lynching, darkness covers the land. But your light has come. King talked in terms of America as a dream. He talked of it as a dream, in his language, of brotherhood, where nations could come together in the American dream, where there would be no wall between peoples and no discrimination against peoples. And this was the light that shone in the darkness to the world that such a place existed. And he expected the world to come to this light. And he'd say, the dream of America is that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all people are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain and inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That was the light that shone in the darkness for him. And then he lifted up his eyes to see the light and to see what was happening. And although it wasn't happening, he could see the future because the light shining in the darkness had given him hope. And the future he saw is, you know, memorialized in his I have a dream speech. I have a dream that on the red clay of Georgia, the grandchildren of former slave owners and former slaves will join hands and play. I have a dream today. I have a dream today. 
that in the sweltering heat of oppression and violence in Mississippi, there will come an oasis of justice and peace. I have a dream today. I have a dream today that in Alabama, where the lips of the governor are dripping hatred, little black boys and girls will play with little black little white girls and boys. I have a dream today. I have a dream that my four children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. His dream is so vivid that not only can we see it, we can feel it, the sweltering heat We can almost touch it, the oasis of justice. And then part of King's understanding of epiphany is arise, shine, get to work, start working on making this dream a reality, you know, it can't wait. He talked about creative protest of living in such a way as if the dream were true. And in living that way, it would become reality and society would change. King reminds me of what it is to be a citizen and what it is to be a disciple. When Colleen and I were talking about what should our preaching themes be for January, you know, we realized that in two weeks, it's Martin Luther King Day. He would have been 90 on January 15th. And we thought, let's preach the four Sundays of January on themes in Martin Luther King's life as a disciple and as a citizen. Today is vision. Next week is redemption, redemptive suffering. The following week is justice. And the final week is nonviolence. King believed in epiphany, that the light has shined in the darkness, and God has enabled us to see what others can't see, that God has enabled us to see that the walls are coming down, that the walls between people and nationalities are coming down. Because God's love is for all. God's mercy is for all. God's justice and forgiveness is for all. We see the light and we are to arise and shine in that light to make that dream, that vision of Paul of Isaiah, of King and of God, a reality.
Arise and shine, for our light has come.